This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello. And welcome to Line Dance Podcast on Move Radio. Brought to you by... What is this? Highway 10? Eastbound? Oh, I see. We're going to be getting on to the 10. On our way to Indio, California for Stagecoach Country Music Festival 2018. You can hear that Google is very excited about this trip and would like to interject herself into the conversation. In 1.7 miles, we're going to be changing over to another freeway, and at that point, we will be on it for another 65 miles. Megan and I will both be teaching at this event all three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I will be teaching Can't Walk Away on Friday and Sunday, and Shotgun Jenny by Kathy Kelly Brown on Saturday. And Megan, what will you be teaching? Uh, Friday is Bullfrog on a Log. Saturday is Action. And Sunday is Hollerback. Those sound like great choices. Picking up where we left off last week in Jumpstart Your Thinking by John C. Maxwell. We have Day 51, which as we mentioned last week, we ran into some technical difficulties um, reading as it did not fully record so we now bring you day 51 yard by yard life is hard but inch by inch it's a cinch Robert Schuller to become a better strategic thinker able to formulate and implement plans that will achieve the desired objective over the next four days take the following guidelines to heart break down the issues into smaller more manageable parts so that you can focus on them more effectively. How you do it, whether it's by function, timetable, responsibility, purpose, or some other method, is not as important as just doing it. When Henry Ford created the assembly line, he said, Nothing is particularly hard if you divide it into small jobs. Ask why before how. Instead of asking how to solve a problem or plan, uh, or plan a way to meet an objective, You should first ask why. If you jump right into problem-solving mode, how are you going to know all the issues? Asking why helps you to think about all the reasons for decisions. It helps you to open your mind to possibilities and opportunities. The size of an opportunity often determines the level of resources and effort that you must invest. Big opportunities allow for big decisions. If you jump to how too quickly, you might miss that. Write down a major objective for which you are currently planning. Next, write why questions concerning your objective. Then break it down into smaller parts. Note any opportunities that you had not seen before. And as I recall, we spoke at length about this last week, and then it wasn't recorded as it turned out. So we decided we would find out what kind of fresh perspectives we might have on it this week rather than just write off that uh, day's insights as a loss. So looking at this with the why before how, I think one of the things that we mentioned was being in the ballroom and thinking to yourself, I want I want the the night to go smoothly and I want everyone to uh, to have a good time who's in the ballroom that will make it easier for you to enjoy your night 
because you know how to accomplish that. You can think of all these different ways, like you know, maybe it would include learning late night dances, learning walls or uh, dances for walls for dances well enough that you can wall lead, um, knowing whether people are looking thirsty or you know, hungry and grabbing something out from the lobby for them. All these different ways that you can achieve the objective of making sure that the night is flowing well for everyone. If that's your why, you have a lot of different hows that can solve that. If your objective is very narrow and you're thinking, um, I want to learn these these dances that people will probably need to follow and your how is, well, I'm going to go on YouTube and I'm going to watch a lesson or I'm going to read a step sheet and then as it turns out, those songs don't get played and nobody needs your help, you might think you failed and you might think, well, that wasn't a very good night because I thought that what I was going to be working on would have some kind of payoff to it where somebody would be like, hey, could you help me learn this dance? And you would say, yes, I'm amazing. I would love to help you. Because your why depends on other people and their choices, like is the DJ going to play it? Do other people want to dance it? It's out of your control whether you feel like you have achieved success. So it, it lets other people decide whether your time was well spent because you might end up not getting anything any feeling of success from it having not achieved your desired objective it's by deciding to do something that you have full control over like oh and I think the example we gave was um, even having dances prepared that you yourself will enjoy achieves the objective of making sure everyone in the ballroom is having a good time. Because what happens when the room clears out and it's just you and the DJ? And he says, all right, well, it looks like you don't have to lead any more dances for anybody. And I don't want to go to sleep. So just do dances that you'll enjoy. And you spent this whole time preparing for what other people would want to be led in. And you didn't think at all about, oh, shoot, I should probably do something that I want to do because that will make the DJ happy and achieve my objective of everyone having a good time tonight. By having a why that is within your control to uh, do something about, then you always feel like you did your best and it was never a waste of time. Um, and you know, other people don't have that kind of power over you. And now that we've gotten through all the tricky parts of driving these past couple miles and we're on the very long stretch, 61 miles now to our 144 exit, we turn it over to Megan and ask uh, what your thoughts are on this major objective for which you are currently planning and what your why questions are as well as your hows for solving it. Well, I think just in general, asking yourself why you want certain things um, is extremely important. I think that if you understand the why, you can not only clarify things, but you can also justify things. And you have to be honest with yourself as to the why, whatever your why may be. Um... You know, when I first was talking with 
Kat Painter about wanting to become an instructor, she had asked me why. And it took me a while to really dig deep and get my true, honest answer. And once I realized it, it made all of the hows kind of fall into place. Whereas before, I was like, I have no idea where I'm supposed to start. What do I even do? What do I, I mean, like, seriously, how do I, you know, a lot of questions with a lot of lack of direction. Whereas once I understood the why, why I wanted to become an instructor, I was able to start taking necessary steps to becoming an instructor. Same thing goes for, I think she was talking with a friend of ours and she used a puzzle as an analogy where he's like, I want all the things. And she says, well, it's really hard to go for all the things all at once. Nothing's ever going to really get developed. Nothing's ever going to really fall into place for you because you're focusing on too many things at once. So pick one thing, one puzzle piece and focus on that. And once you get that down, then you can start focusing on other things and sooner or later it kind of branches off and it pieces together and then before you know it you're working on all the things because you've started with the one piece and when you ask yourself why that gives you that necessary focus it gives you that look of this is what I want and this is the reason why I want it I don't know how I'm going to get it, but I want it, and this is why. And I've noticed that, call it what you will, when you have that kind of focus and you have that kind of explanation and you're honest with yourself, the universe starts opening up doors for you that you can walk through and take advantage of those opportunities as opposed to before missing them because you're so focused on the how. Whereas now you're like, why? And then the universe goes, oh, here. Here you go. This is how. We'll, we'll, we'll get you there. And sometimes they come in ways that you would least expect. And sometimes it's, you know, flashing neon lights saying line dance here. <laughs> so I think it's really important that we're honest with our whys um, before we focus on our hows. So. Something that... Uh I found interesting in the last few days watching some chess videos is looking at things like queen sacrifices where people will tell you how to play chess like they'll tell you how to move the the pieces just according to the rules they'll tell you how in general that you should structure your pieces toward like the center and control as many squares as you can in an outward direction um They'll tell you how stingy you should be about trading pieces when you already have good positioning and the other person doesn't. So you know you should uh, try not to lose too many pieces if you can help it. But at the end of the day, the why is to win the game. So you might see things in a game like somebody just throwing away their piece, their queen, and then their rook. And there might be part of you that says oh no, that that completely goes against how I was taught to play. But the why is still to win. And if you need to throw away those pieces because it gets you into a position where your pawn can win it for everyone, then you're doing it right. 
you really have to to look at you know what is the ultimate objective it's not to get all your pieces out alive it's to win so sometimes the the hows that people tell you the advice of how you're how they think you're supposed to live can be um, made more flexible in light of the overall why you know people will tell you how much you should spend and how much you should save and how often you should contact these or those people or how long to wait before you give up on this or that cause. But if you know what your why is, then you can still adjust all of those things that people have told you about how to live so that you get to your why. I agree. Day 52. Strategy is first trying to understand where you sit in today's world. Not where you wish you were or where you hoped you would be, but where you are. Then, it's trying to understand where you want to be five years out. Finally, it's assessing the realistic chances of getting from here to there. Jack Welch To release the power of strategic thinking... Here are two more guidelines to help you formulate and implement plans that will achieve the desired objective. Identify the real issues and objectives. Too many people rush to solutions, and as a result they end up solving the wrong problem. You avoid that by asking probing questions in an effort to expose the real issues. Begin by asking, what else could be the real issue? Challenge all of your assumptions. Collect information even after you think you've identified the issue. Don't jump to a conclusion before you gather enough information to begin identifying the real issue. Review your resources. A strategy that doesn't take into account resources is doomed to failure. How much time and money do you have? What kinds of materials, supplies, inventory, or other assets do you have? What liabilities or obligations will come into play? Which people on the team can make an impact? Figure out what resources you have at your disposal. Continuing with yesterday's thinking about a major objective for which you are currently planning, identify and write down the real issues and objectives. Then write a review of your resources. Um, I'm going to need a minute to think on this one. Okie dokie. So a major objective. Well, okay, so first thing I, I thought of, again, because chess is on my mind now, is review your resources. You might think that you don't have all the best pieces because you just traded queens and rooks with the other guy and now you're left with pawns and minor pieces. But you can do a lot with those minor pieces. And back in ECW in the 90s, Paul Heyman, the, uh, uh, I believe, owner and manager, was well known for his ability to take who he had and find out what their strengths are, boost those over the top, and minimize any chances of them exposing their weaknesses. So if they're not good on the microphone, don't give them a microphone. Just have them go in and destroy people. Or if they look like they're too small and not really credible in a fight, then show how good they are at cheating and getting out, sneaking out of the situation so they don't have to... You know, go head-to-head -head with the brute, you know? Everybody has something that they can do well and possibly better than anyone else. So if those people are on your team, it's helpful as the manager to figure out how to put them in the best spotlight for their talents and 
add to the richness of the overall group. And then for real issues and objectives, the first thing that came to mind was relationships, where you might go into a relationship thinking you're going to solve all this person's problems by doing all these different things, and then you find out that they have this like deep-seated whatever complex based on how they were raised or something, and there's nothing you can do to relive their life for them. So knowing what you need to solve, and maybe that can only be solved as a friend and not as a significant other, uh, knowing what it is that needs to be solved for that person, how much of it you can actually help with and how much is just on their own, uh, all of these will help you decide what you can do. Because for some people, it might just be they need to figure it out and you're not going to have a part in that. Uh, for other people, they might just need someone to talk to and then you know they will pull out of it. And for other people, they just need to be educated on ways of socializing or something that you know they think you can give them tips on, which can be done. You, know? uh, you can play a more active or less active role, but you need to know what it is you're trying to solve. You need to know what the real issue is. Like, is the person just looking for acknowledgement from anyone? You don't need to date a person to give them acknowledgement. Um, realizing that I'm talking about a lot of things that have nothing to do with line dance, uh, I think, again, looking at the why of whatever it is you're working on, like, let's say you think that you can, um, you know, in five years' time be really good at technique and that'll be the thing that you do in line dance and that'll be the most helpful thing you can do. And then you get frustrated five years later because everybody else has gotten five years better. Um, if the real issue is I just want everyone to be doing well and I thought that, you know, being good at technique would make me a better instructor and being a better instructor is what, what would be the most helpful, maybe you're really good at graphic design. Maybe you are great at organizing people into a team and delegating uh, different responsibilities at a, a crazy mixed-up event. You know? That can be the place where you strengthen those skills and develop objectives based on success in that field. Because if, if the issue is just doing what you can, that you can do the best... Um, that other people can't do, it might have nothing to do with what you thought the issue was. And then reviewing your resources, really dig back. Think about what you used to do as a kid, ways that you used to play with your friends. And those can still be resources. Like when I was you know, 12 or 13 and I started looking into like physics and theoretical this and that's and science and I thought that I was going to end up being some kind of inventor and I started volunteering singing uh, and playing guitar at senior communities as just a side thing while I was in college one gig led to another I kept doing it and now it's my main source of income and at some point along the way I remembered hey I used to sing when I was three years old in front of my family. They would give me like this ukulele and a little Mr. Microphone and I'd stand there with my sombrero or whatever it was and sing whatever I happened to know at three years old. Like that was something I, I did a lot back then that I just kind of forgot for 20 something years. Ditto with dance. You know, I, I was dragged into line dance in 2009 by my girlfriend at the time and 
you know, I had done some high school dances, just kind of doing the slow dance and not doing the grinding. And there was a long period of time where I didn't really think of myself as like a dancer. So I was doing Copperhead Road and Cupid Shuffle and Wobble because I was, you know, not really there like everyone else was there ready to go. I was just kind of, you know, arm candy. And then I got really into it. And then again, at some point, I remembered, hey, I went to Daly City Dance Academy from the time I was three until whenever the, the place shut down and I was like nine or ten. And you forget these things. You forget what a long and rich life you've had, how many little things you've been exposed to and learned the basics of that you can come back to 20 years, 30 years later and consider that a strength you're building upon rather than something you're starting from scratch that you have no hope of catching up on. Those are resources, when it says review your resources, that you can count um, just to give you that extra boost and start. So dance-wise, think about, if you're trying to think in, in your choreography, how am I supposed to set myself apart from everyone else? Hip-hop's been taken, ballet is taken, uh, waltz and nightclub, other people are so much more graceful, but do you have martial arts background? Maybe you could do something with that. Maybe you can do something with controlled, sharp movements. And it doesn't have to be hip-hoppy, but it can be powerful. You know, maybe you are really into ice skating. Hey, that's a good example. Uh, Jason Takahashi. Roller skating, John Lieberman. There are, there are different forms of movement that we've been good at our whole life. Maybe we're really big on like dodgeball and you just want to jump and turn and change directions. And then you come up with a dance like Shine Anyway, which nobody should look up. But if you wanted to, you know, the, the song for it is at least pretty decent. Um, might have been entered in Vegas Dance Explosion 2016 if I had to think about it offhand by some guy on the West Coast. Anyway, um... There are strengths that you don't even know about that could be uh, a merger of two of your other minor strengths. You could invent something completely different, and that's a, that's a resource that didn't exist before. So by reviewing your resources, you end up inventing some. It's got a lot of options here for uh, thinking about your major objective and then planning, identifying, and writing down the real issues and objectives, and then writing the review of your resources. You, know, you can figure out what it is you really want, and then figure out how you're going to get there with what you got. Okay, so I can't really speak much to like the bigger issue, per se, but I can address something that I feel is somewhat relevant. And that would be a perfect example is can't walk away. And I use this as example because although I had played around with choreography when I was younger for like church projects and, you know, stuff like that. And I'd been in musicals, so I kind of had an idea of how things are supposed to go. And of course, I had been dancing line dancing prior to choreographing Can't Walk Away With You. Um, I really didn't know what I was doing. And, and you were a little bit more ahead of the game than me, but we were kind of in the same boat. We, we had a vague inclination of what we wanted to do and what we wanted to accomplish and how we wanted it to go. And so we took what we knew 
created Can't Walk Away. And then we went to our resources. We went to the people who have different styles and similar styles to us. People who have had years of experience and people who were brand new to dancing and just kind of got everybody's input on the dance to just kind of get a feel of what they thought and how, you know, like how they took to the music and how they took to the dance and what they heard. And I mean, lo and behold, I'm very grateful that we got some feedback that we were able to try. And yet you and I still decided that we liked the original choreography more. So we kept the original choreography as is, published it, and, you know, at the end of it, we essentially thanked all of our resources, and from there, we have this finished product. So it was, here's an issue, here's something we want to do about it, here's us, you know, using our resources to our advantage, and they were gracious enough to take the time and give us their input and afterwards because we were so grateful we acknowledged that they did help us it wasn't something that we just did on our own and you know nobody helped us they definitely supported us they certainly gave us feedback whether we chose to include it or not you know that's beside the point they still took the time and we got to test out different things. And we got to experience how they heard the music differently from us. You know? I mean, I guess that's that's one example that I, I feel is somewhat relevant to it. Okay. So. Something that came to mind was uh, in teaching. When people don't know how to sound confident when they teach. And they're not sure what resources they have. The example I gave earlier was with choreography, but with this, you can think of all the different places that you've spoken to people in any fashion. If you're really good one-on-one, but you're not good with a group, teach to one person in the front row who's closest to you. Everyone else will hear what you're saying. Uh, If you are nervous in front of dance people, but you're like a third grade teacher and you're fine with your students, just pretend it's a bunch of third graders. You know, find the person who reminds you most of one of your students and focus on that person and just do your style however you would do it in a class. And then everyone, again, will hear what you're saying about the steps and they'll learn. Uh, If you really just want to memorize a pattern of doing one demo of what you're about to teach going through it with numbers, going through it with descriptions, going through with a mix of them, doing it three times, going to the next wall, and not ever checking in or asking questions, but that's what you're comfortable with, like doing it by a format, you can do it that way too. Some people might like the predictability and the structure of it and how you don't get into side conversations or whatever else it might be a drawback of always checking in and always watching and slowing down for everyone. There are strengths to all these different approaches, And you will develop what becomes your most comfortable style based on trying out the things uh, that you haven't tried before, keeping what works and discarding what doesn't. So any time you've ever spoken to a person before, 
or had to teach anyone anything, that can count as a resource. Even if you're really good at doing video tutorials and you're just petrified of humans, set up a GoPro in the back, teach to the video, pretend those 200 people aren't even in the room. All of these are resources. Um, I was going to say, one of the things that I was listening to earlier today was a podcast by Tim Ferriss and some of his, his advice about doing a podcast or doing a blog is speak or write to someone who is like your friend make it personal in that kind of sense where it's very intimate you're writing for someone specific and that'll help you get through everything that you want to get through ask questions that matter to you and make it relevant to you as well so if you're teaching something make sure it's it's something you enjoy teaching you know, make sure it's a dance that you actually are looking forward to and speak to that one person, that one or two friends that are really close friends of yours. And it'll become a very personalized feeling lesson and people will be able to enjoy it. And the podcast did start as me thinking about what I would ask people that I just was curious about myself and recording it so that other people could benefit from whatever answers were given. And here we are now. Yep, and here we are now. Day 53. Reduce your plan to writing. The moment you complete this, you will have definitely given concrete form to the intangible desire. Napoleon Hill. My fifth guideline to equip you to become a better strategic thinker is to develop your plan. How you approach the planning process depends greatly on your profession and the size of the challenge, so it's difficult to recommend many specifics. However, Rolf Smith, the author of The Seven Levels of Change, outlines seven kinds of change, which may prompt you in your planning process. Ooh, this is very relevant to what we were talking about earlier. Level one, effectiveness, doing the right things. Level two, Efficiency, doing the right things right. Level three, improving, doing things better. Level four, cutting, doing away with things. Level five, adapting, doing things other people are doing. Level six, different, doing things no one else is doing. I like that one. Oh, and this one as well. Level 7, impossible. Doing things that can't be done. No matter how you go about planning, start with the obvious. When you tackle an issue or plan that way, it brings unity and consensus to the team because everyone sees those things. Obvious elements build mental momentum and initiate creativity and intensity. Continuing with yesterday's thinking about a major objective for which you are currently planning, start with the obvious and develop your plan for line dance in space. <laughs> for line dance in space. I'm actually being... I'm looking for something right now because I want to make sure I quote it correctly. Okie dokie. While um, oh, looks like you got it. Yeah. It says... And it's one of my favorite quotes. It says, nothing is impossible. The world, word itself says I'm possible. 
which is probably one of my favorite ways of taking something and looking at it more positively. Um, and when, when you were referring to us speaking about this particular kind of topic earlier, we're, we're talking at like four o'clock in the morning as we're driving down from Northern California to Southern California. Um, and we were talking about different things and I think it's important to do things I hate saying the right because it kind of sounds weird but doing the positive thing doing the courteous thing doing the kind thing and that's how I'm classifying right at the moment and focusing on how you can make a difference and focusing on what traits you have that can make people feel at ease and included as well as traits that make you stand out like what are your unique traits and what can you on only you bring to the table and there's other things that go along with that but I think a lot of it comes down to being consistent you know you learn what works and what doesn't work the more you practice something the more you go through something and you find what really suits you and your personality and your I'm trying to think of uh, the word and I totally just lost it but that's with practice But if you are consistently the person that walks by on your way to the water and asks at least five people if they need anything as you're walking to the water because you're going to get to the water, whether you do it now or you do it 10 years from now, they'll chalk that up to be that's you. You know, so it's a trait that you've now been consistent with and it's a kind, courteous trait. So it's a positive thing that they can associate with you. So that's where my brain was. For me, I was looking at this, as I do with many things in life, in the light of Joe. And one of the things that we had talked about, having just spent the weekend dancing with her, dancing for the dream in Sacramento, and then Stoney's Rock and Rodeo in Sacramento, is how she does what it is that she does that makes her Joe. Like, during Dancing for the Dream, Scooter had mentioned that in 20-something years of knowing her, she doesn't hear Joe talk about people or say negative things. And that is this level of level four doing away with things that I think she does really well. Because the things that she does, other people do as well. Like talking to people smiling, asking active listening questions, focusing on people, having energy, upright posture, showing that wherever it is you want to be there, not bringing people... Oh, so now we're getting into the not side of things. And the things, like I said, the things that she does, she does very well in just a common social setting like Stoney's, other people also do. But what other people do that she does not do is they add in all the other stuff as well. They add in the getting distracted while you're talking to somebody and making the story about them or interrupting, uh, not asking 
enough questions after the first couple, so you you get the sense. Oh well, I guess they just wanted to ask the question. They didn't want to hear the answer. You know all these other things that us normal human beings down on Earth do, uh, which we know that we probably shouldn't, and we try to work on, but which Joe has so much practice at um, cutting out well. Like she has filtered out the negative immediate thing that other people will think like oh that's mm, yeah that reminds me of this thing which is bad and didn't even need to be brought up she just doesn't say it if she thinks it we never know uh i think she's gotten to the point where maybe she just doesn't maybe she doesn't think those things maybe she thinks about um the positive before her mind can even get to the negative so yes looking at it from level one doing the right things that's a given she does all the things that we listed already. Doing the right things right. People can try to smile while they're conversing with somebody, but it can look fake. And she knows how to interact with a person from a place of genuine interest so that her smile is real. And all the things that she does are real. So she's doing the right things for the right reasons and she's doing them correctly. Doing things better... It wasn't, it, it's not like, you know, well, you know, 20 years ago she decided, oh, I'm a complete person. I guess I'm just going to do this forever and not try to ask more interesting questions or remember more people's names or remember them more creatively or remember to ask them about that thing we talked about at that last event. She is always improving. She's still taking, what, fitness classes in Colorado Springs? Because again, it's not like she decided at age 25. Oh, I've peaked. I'm going to take a lot of photos and then I'm just going to sit for the next 50 years. <laughs> like She's constantly working on her dancing yes. as well. She's always talking about how she's trying to improve herself as a dancer and dance with her space around herself. So there's doing things better. We just talked about doing away with things. So doing all those good things but then cutting out the gossip and the negativity and the speculation about things that aren't really in the present moment. She's very good about being present and showing energy and enthusiasm with who's there in the present and giving people her full focus without adding in all of the other stuff. She does away with the other distractions. Doing things other people are doing, she learns other people's dances. She does dances with everybody all night and she fits herself to the ballroom. She'll follow dances on the floor if she doesn't look like she knows them you know, perfectly well. And that's, you know, things other people are doing is that dance. Doing things no one else is doing. Um, she's choreographing and not everybody, not everybody does things the way that she does where she'll cover the whole spectrum. She'll do an absolute beginner dance like just a two-step in with Norm Gifford, and then she'll do Oh Mama Hey with Guyton. And then pull you, th- pull you through with Madison. Yeah, right there in the middle, like with Eyes for You, you know? She'll do dances to all kinds of music and tour to countries and continents back to back to back. Like she was talking about her upcoming November, where I believe she is going to be in Blackpool, Vegas, Australia, and Japan. Is that right? That sounds familiar. It sounds accurate, but we may have messed up one of those countries. It's probably the la- one of the last two. And 
this is the kind of commitment to being of service that she has where other people might think oh yeah that sounds great and if i were offered that then you know i might i might be interested in doing it but i can't get that much time off work or i don't have enough dances to be of interest to those event managers and i don't really feel like coming up with any she also choreographs for something like you know vegas dance explosion multiple performances across multiple days to do the shows every night as it gets closer to the weekend and other people are not putting that much on their plate but she steps up she houses people as well like uh oh yeah there's a train on the right side of the road thank you for pointing that out um she she has taken in you know madison uh for you know a couple days when she was visiting colorado springs for an event um i guess at some point in the past i guess 18 or 19 around was when i i remember hearing it uh was yeah uh rachel lived with her for a while you stayed with her for a couple of days and these are the kinds of things that make her so very joe you know the things that she does that other people they think wouldn't it be great if somebody would and then she does she does these things that no one else is doing and then as far as doing things that can't be done coming back from the things that she's come back from strong and possibly better like two uh, titanium hip surgeries and I think she said five surgeries on each shoulder and still able to dance as beautifully and gracefully as she does yeah, I'd say she's quite talented in coming back from the impossible. Yeah, and there's an example of how if anybody could have reason to complain about things or say, oh, that, that sounds bad, but you should hear what I went through. Like, all of these, again, common human things that you see all the time, she doesn't do them, and she has a smile on her face, so much energy, and so much love for everybody, taking all the focus off of her even again at Dancing for the Dream, uh, Scooter had so many lovely things, lovely and true things to say about Joe. And Joe, she was very graceful in accepting the things that she was hearing. She really wanted to get back to dancing because she knew that she, the focus for her in her mind should not be on her. It should be for all these great people who came out to dance. And she's so consistent about that always putting the focus on the other person and i just i love that about her so yeah there she is doing effectiveness efficiency improving cutting adapting doing things that are different and doing things that are impossible so then it says start with the obvious and develop your plan do you have anything that comes to mind for you or shall we move on to day 54 just move on yeah joe's a tough act to follow Day 54. The will to win is worthless if you do not have the will to prepare. Thane Yost. And we actually passed by a billboard that said, Victory loves preparation. I like that. I have two more guidelines. To become a better strategic thinker, able to formulate and implement plans that will achieve the desired objective. Put the right people in the right place. It's critical that you include your team as part of your strategic thinking. Before you can implement your plan, you must make sure that you have the right people in place. Even the best strategic thinking won't help if you don't take into account 
the people part of the equation. Everything comes together, however, when you put together all three elements, the right people, place, and plan. Keep repeating the process. My friend Olin Hendricks remarked, strategic thinking is like showering. You have to keep doing it. If you expect to solve any major problem once, you're in for disappointment. Little things such as filing or shopping systematically can be won easily through systems and personal discipline. But major issues need major strategic thinking time. If you want to be an effective strategic thinker, you need to become a continuous strategic thinker. Continuing with yesterday's thinking about a major objective for which you are currently planning, write a review of whether you have the right people in the right places to help you implement your plan. If you don't, what step will you take to make that happen? Well, this one we were actually talking about this morning as well a little bit when we were talking about like the things that you and I have accomplished together, what would happen if we add a third person and what would that third person need to do? And we started talking about like the different things specifically, like we referenced um, our DJ Jeff, who is actually kind of the, he's the founder of Hot Monk, uh, line dancing nights on Thursdays he's the one who went through and started it up and we just joined his team Um, and now we have a system and a plan that really works when the three of us are together and we feel like we get more out of it as well as everybody else gets more out of it when the three of us are able to actually work together like that Um, we talked about how having you know the right person with different abilities such as graphic design or the right person for photography or videography or um, just anything along those lines where you have the right person for marketing if the if the group of you are on the same page and have similar interests and similar outlooks and you're all focused on the same problem at the same time it's really nice to work in unity together and Whereas, you know, you might have some friends that you would love to bring in on it, but for whatever reason, they're not the right fit. Whether it's not the right time in their life, not the right time in yours, they're on a different path at the moment, um, or they just see things a little bit too different from what your objective is, that can definitely cause some issues. So you might not necessarily, as much as you would love to include them, want to bring them in just yet who knows maybe down down the road you're going to need one of the traits that only they possess and that is when you can bring them in on the project at hand Um, but it's really a matter of like you look at the overall goal the overall why and now you're looking at okay now you have a bunch of resources can you get them together to work towards this? And I know it's important to have a slightly different point of view because then you get different um, experiences and different insights to make something better. But you don't want something to work against you either. So I think that's important to consider as well. Yeah, I know that people like uh, event directors have talked in the past about how they select their team and who fulfills what role. Like, sometimes you need the crazy party person who's going to do unpredictable things 
and then you need the older retiree who people can relate to and you need like the underdog that people are rooting for because you see them coming up on the charts and then you have like the tried and true stable draw I guess for lack of a better term who has fun dances and fun classes like a a Fred or a Rachel or a, a Joe and by having a balance of all these different people you can give everybody who's attending something different as well as something familiar for them there's something that appeals to them about each of them whereas if you tilt it all toward one particular niche like say Stoke which is a new line event uh, in the UK that really favors advanced and high intermediate dances and tends to draw over those kinds of choreographers you just have to recognize that's what this event is if you if you go into it with that objective then you say yeah the right people in the right place are these because they're going to give us that kind of experience they're going to put together work from home and um what was the other one the one with taylor swift and um don't want to live forever or want to live forever i guess was the name of the dance like really complicated pull me closer type dances and for something a little bigger like a Vegas you want to cover the whole spectrum you want something for everyone because there's so many people who are going to go they're not all going to be into intermediate advanced dances so then you have to think about your people again who's just good and social you know who's who's um, who's the kind of person who would invite everybody up to the suite and have like a kind of an after party so that they get to know all of these other people there are rare skill sets that different people in the line dance community have developed and they know how to become that right person at the different right places. And that's good for them too because they wouldn't have developed that skill set if it wasn't something they wanted to pursue more. So then the the events they get invited to are the ones where they feel the most comfortable. If you are the relatable retiree and you were invited to Stoke and you're you're afraid the whole time you're going to bore people with your high improver dance and you don't have the comfortable charisma to invite them all to some after party or go out to the bar like you don't really know what your role is so you want just as much to find your best fit at an event the way event managers want you to be the best fit person I think that helps with um, team choreography as well for putting the right people in the right place. If you have an objective for a song, you go to the person who has choreographed to similar music or similar moods, and you say, I think this would be a really good one for you, and you know, I'd love to help if, uh, if you think there's something I could add to it as well. Uh, and you look at somebody as versatile as Carrie, Carrie Mouse, where she's collaborated with several people, and I think we might have talked about this last week as well, and, and those people know that her skill, one of her skills, is hitting the music so perfectly. She lately has done a lot of like phrased, upbeat music, but it'll be interesting to see how, let's say, somebody who wants to do a slower piece um, doesn't know, maybe, how to hit that music, 
and they know that she can do it with fast stuff, can she do it with slow as well? Jono also has a history of um, collaboration, and he's got best mistakes with Jason Takahashi. He also has X's and O's with Rick Dominguez. Totally different styles of music and movement. Socket to you with Shane, Shane McKeever. And he's another one of those people where you know his skill might be moving in a way that you wouldn't even have thought you could do, but it makes so much sense once you do it. Rachel has a similar skill. She can just invent something out of nowhere, and it fits somehow. That's what it seems like anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Combining a couple of things that you wouldn't have thought could be combined because nobody had done it before or at least not in a a major spotlight kind of a way so again looking at uh, major objectives which we for which we are currently planning do we have the right people in the right places i mean i guess you could if if we're not skipping this one immediately the way we did with the last one even just looking at like the beginner workshop that we did with ellen russell and um, brenda chateau and ourselves and dolly was helping putting it on uh I mean, she really put the whole thing on, and then we kind of helped with that. <laughs> um, there was an example of people being in the right place for what they were teaching and what our responsibilities were. And on a small-scale community beginner workshop event like that was, I think we were decent picks. You know, we, we each did something that was necessary to the smooth functioning of the whole event, but we all did it in our own way. I agree. I And I, I think it's important because we've talked about the idea of putting on an event and what kind of atmosphere we would want to set. And so we've talked about, okay, who would fit that and who would who would play off of each other well enough that we think that this would be an exciting event. Um and that's that's certainly one of those things as well as I look at stuff like Hot Monk I love that we get to teach at Hot Monk I love that we get to experience beginners and at this point high beginner improver level dancers and we've seen them come through this journey with us as instructors as well and it's, it's a time and place kind of situation. And I think, you know, because of how much we love it, I think it's a good fit for us just as much as we're a good fit for it. So I think, I think it is something to be said about finding your, your, your little place, no matter how big or little it might be, um, and making sure that the team you're working with is it's their place too. All right, we're getting pretty close to our destination, so I'll, I'll read one more before we go to a, a musical break. Day 55. Nothing is so embarrassing as watching someone do something that you said could not be done. Sam Ewing. When filmmaker George Lucas set out with his vision for the movie Star Wars, he was told that it was technically impossible, but he believed it could be done. After two years of inventing and assembling the technology needed to make the impossible possible, Star Wars became the most technically innovative and prof- profitable movie in history at that time. 
Lucas exemplifies the fact that people who develop the skill of possibility thinking are capable of accomplishing tasks that seem impossible because they believe in solutions. You should become a possibility thinker because possibility thinking increases your possibilities. When you believe you can do something difficult and you succeed, many doors open for you, as they did for George Lucas and his studio. Possibility thinking draws opportunities and people to you. If Lucas had not believed Star Wars was possible and made the film, few of his other movies would have been made and some of the most talented people in the world would not have come to work for him at his studio. People who think big attract big people to them. If you want to achieve big things, you need to become a possibility thinker, line dance in space. If you've had your dreams put down in the past, you need to recapture the possibility and your possibility thinking. What was the thing in your heart that you really wanted to do? Rekindle that thought. Write it down. Explore it and do some dreaming with it. Earlier today, we kind of summed it up um, as something I've mentioned going back a couple years is just this concept of everyone dancing together. That's all I want. Just everyone dancing together. I want to be able to look over at some person in the next lane and regardless of whatever they were doing on the road beforehand, just say, hey, look, it's one of my fellow dancers. Maybe tonight we'll both be at the same dance place and we can dance together. They can be guy, girl, or somewhere else on the spectrum and you feel like they're your kin. They are somebody that knows what you know or they can learn from something you know and you can learn from something that they know you're all equal that's one of the things i love about events and even just you know going to different country bars and doing watermelon crawl with people because you know you know it together what are some of your thoughts on uh, a possibility that uh, you would like to rekindle you know the last couple of years, I've pretty much been doing it. So I can't necessarily say, like, a possibility to rekindle. I think, most importantly, it's important to dream. And don't let anybody tell you that it can't happen. And when they do, ignore them and do it anyways. You know, like, that's, that's the biggest thing I can say about this because... At the end of the day, it's you who has to make you happy. It's you who has to live with yourself. And if you let other people discourage you, you're going to regret it. And I speak from personal experience. If you let other people tell you that you can or can't do something, you know, and you let yourself believe it, that's when you start giving up on things that matter to you and that's when you know you start thinking things are impossible and I mean if you look at a hundred years ago how many things were impossible that are completely normal you know everyday livelihood things you know I mean look at the cars alone a hundred years ago you know Buildings, indoor plumbing, you know, uh, voting rights. Air conditioning. <laughs> yes, thank you, air conditioning that works in my car as we are in the desert now. So, you know, it's it's important to think 
and remind yourself that somebody somewhere along the line said all of this was impossible and here we are today. So what could be next? Lightning into space! Yay. Yeah, to co- totally mangle a quote that I, I think I've mentioned before, uh, the paraphrased version of it is something like, first they ignore you, then they mock you, then they attack you, then you win. So I like that idea of, you know, take people's input, listen to what their opinions are on what you can or can't do, but then just go ahead and do it anyway. If you if you can find a way to do it, then uh, I think demonstrating it will say much more than any blustery, red-faced argument you might try to make. All right. And we're going to cool down our blustery red faces right now. We're going to go inside, it looks like Quality Inn and Suites, yep. where we will be staying for Stagecoach. And, um, you know, we'll take it just a kind of a short musical break because uh, it would be, I think, good to touch on the event we went to this past weekend, uh, Dancing for the Dream. And uh, then after that, you know, I think it'll be uh, maybe move in slash nap slash cool water on our faces time and uh, preparing for the weekend to come. So here is some music for your day that has something to do with line dance. See if you can identify the choreographer behind this recent smash hit all over the dance floors gonna give you a hint Australia (laughs) hello and welcome back to line dance podcast on move radio with Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barcelia at this time we would like to give a little recap of dancing for the dream which we attended in Sacramento this past week at uh, Japanese United Methodist Church I believe it was And also we would like to give a shout out to anybody out there who actually listens to our event recaps as we just found out we have yet another regular listener of these. So, hi Joe. Hi Joe. (laughs) Alright, first night we left Sonoma County. Friday night. night. We did our um, teach at an elementary school, Proctor Terrace. And um, we taught, what, four dances? Uh, Yeah. I believe it was a swinging thing, a love you more, and then, oh, what did you do? Oh, you did um, Texas Barefootin' and K is for Kicks. Yes, three of those were to an African, Italian, and Israeli song, and then K is for Kicks was our example of American culture. Uh, we already had the box of, I guess, Spanish language music checked because the DJ was playing a lot of those, and... There was another one? No, there was not. There were only five because we were going to do Feel It Still twice um, with two different versions. All right. So after that, uh, that event ended at about 8.30 or 9. I think it was 9. And by the time we got to Stoney's in Sacramento, Scooter and Joe had already left. And I believe Joe had gone. I'm not sure whether Scooter did. I think she did. I know for sure Joe went. I don't know about Scooter. Yeah. And we stayed at the hotel uh, nearby overnight. Uh, and then the next day, we got up bright and early. We had breakfast at the hotel. Uh, got our day off onto the right foot. And looking at the playlist, I'll just kind of give people an idea of what sorts of songs and dances 
were going on here at Dancing for the Dream, Scooter was um, uh, very prepared and made sure that these were all made note of so that she could send them to us for follow-up. We have Cab Driver, Take These Chains, Cut a Rug, Hinges, Cajun Thang, Hole in My Pocket, Rockin' Shaw, Silver Wings, Gypsy Queen, Lonely Drum, Stroll Along Chaw, Swingin' Thang, Puttin' on the Ritz, Ribbon of Highway, Cowboy Charleston, Cowboy Rhythm, Empty Pockets, Rita's Waltz, Queen of My Heart, and K is for Kicks. Hmm. That was a special last-minute teach, for sure, for K is for Kicks. That was fun to... There were several people who came up to her and asked her if they were... If she'd able to go through it or let let you go through it and so they could dance it. I believe uh, Joe ended up doing the teach. Yeah, she did the, the very quick speed teach, which was nice. So. Yep. Well, we did a lot of wall leading. We did. We did a lot of wall leading. I think there was only one... I guess you could say our lesson block, however you want to word that, um, in which I actually took a lesson as opposed to it was a wall lead, but then I was still a wall lead in the end. Oh, it's not even listed here, but it was Don't Mind If I Do by Michael Barr. Yes, Don't Mind If I Do. Um, I really liked that dance, actually. It was really nice. It hit very well, and it was ni- it was a nice, easy pace for, like, right after lunch kind of dance so we weren't jumping around too much and we weren't doing a whole bunch of turns so that was nice i really enjoyed it it was nice to have uh, a couple of new dances added to our repertoire like hinges i had not seen before and silver wings we had not learned but i'd seen it's one of uh, joe and john's mostly though a lot of these look really familiar Uh, how many of these would you say that you had either done before or seen at, say, like a Dolly or a Brookdale class in the last six months? Well, I've definitely seen Cab Driver, Cut a Rug, Hinges, Cajun Thing, Hole My Pocket, uh, Rock and Shaw. I've seen Silver Wings. I'd never danced it prior to this. Obviously, Gypsy Queen, Lonely Drums, Stroll Along, Swingin', Putting on the Ritz. Um, I don't know if I've ever actually done Ribbon of Highway, now that I think about that one. Cowboy Charleston, Cowboy Rhythm, Empty Pockets, Rita's Waltz. Um, and then I hadn't done Queen of My Heart either. Um, Queen of My Heart, which... I feel like there was another one in there. Well, there was Don't Mind If I Do, but that's not listening. Yeah. What was the one that Michelle taught? Empty Pockets? No. It was... Well, maybe it was Empty Pockets. You're right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there was a couple of those that like I had seen before, or hadn't seen before, but the majority of them I was, I was either familiar with enough that I could follow, or I had taught them myself, so I could definitely wall lead, not a problem. Yeah, so. I, I definitely felt useful at this event, because we weren't learning these dances for the first time, we could help other people who were. And I know that we spent a lot of time in the, whatever, wherever the newbie section happened to be, whether it was in the front of the room or the back of the room, and we were able to kind of surround them <laughs> like a nest almost, so that everywhere they looked, um, there's a ha, there's a ha, 
a hand hold on. Anyway, getting carried away with myself. But yeah, everywhere they looked, they could follow somebody who had done the dance before. Yeah. Um, I know that there was a couple times where... I was extremely flattered when people would like rush over to stand near me because like, oh, there you are. I know you know this dance. I can follow you. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's fine. You know, and it was nice to be needed and appreciated. I had so many people come up to us afterwards and say how grateful they were that you and I were there um, for more than just the youthful energy, which we normally get, which I'm still very grateful for. But just because I like the idea of being as useful to someone's good experience as possible. That is something that genuinely matters to me. And if I can help make someone's time better, then I feel like I've done what I needed to do. I remember we had trouble with that last year at an event early in the year where we didn't really know where our place was. There was already enough youthful energy. It was on the East Coast, so they had all the Florida and Carolinas people. And We were sitting when we weren't dancing. We didn't really go out of our way to socialize a lot. and It just felt odd because we're used to being in our role here on the West Coast. Yeah. So not having that over there, we felt a little lost. So... I like that at this event, we made it clear, anything you need. And, like, we were running around getting a couple extra sandwiches that they needed from Subway and putting down the, take, taking down the chairs at the end of the day and stacking them. And I felt good because I'm on the taller side, so I was able to stack the ones that were up high. Uh, and I, I could do two at a time and be all macho and stuff. Like, things I don't normally get to do. <laughs> and we we definitely felt needed and useful and absolutely absolutely and that was that's something that i felt was the most rewarding for me at least so i think it also was a good way to demonstrate and practice being toned down for beginners because i think i i know um i've heard it from others before and it doesn't necessarily bother me, but like I, I think that there is some kind of reputation that I have of being wild and crazy and uncontrolled and flailing about because a lot of people remember how I was um, exactly that way in Vegas in 2015, my first time at an event. And since then, I have learned, especially after rolling my ankle, um, I have learned the value of staying grounded. Uh, it was actually at the same event where we felt lost and didn't have a, a purpose that I rolled that ankle during Do Something Crazy. And I decided I would think about tighter movements, smaller steps, for when it's appropriate. You know, when it's an energetic dance, you can still be energetic. You just don't need to endanger the lives of the people around you and uh, make them worry that they're going to fall over. Having the dance selection that we did and the demographic that we did at this event, I think it was a good way for me to continue to practice smaller, vanilla, as choreographed movements. And it also puts it out there so that people can see I am capable of doing such things. And it's an option. It's not just my default if I go a little wild at the end of the night. Yeah. And I think it really helped people. Like you were saying, you know, people would come up to you and say that uh, they were glad that you wall led. I think at least a couple people mentioned that they were glad that I didn't go crazy because maybe they thought that I would. 
and they could just see the steps as they were and I wasn't scaring them off the floor with a bunch of turns and things that I really didn't need to do, you know? That's, after a while, you've done enough turns and enough dances that it becomes more of a challenge to see how controlled you can make it. <laughs> yeah. There's, I mean, and there's a time and a place, and I know, I've, like, I've... I've liked the role that I've been able to play during the daytime, during the early evenings of open dance as, like, one of the wall leads um, and someone that people can trust that they can follow the dance. And I know that, you know, my time is, you know, is it makes it that much more special when I'm able to dance just for me, um, which is typically late, late, late night dancing. And I'm okay with that because that's when I get to do my specific dances that I love you know um obviously like some of these are some of my favorite dances to teach that were taught at Dancing for the Dream because they have perfect um concepts like they're not over clouded with a bunch of things and they build on each other and there's only one or two things that like beginners have to grasp and um Yes, there's a ton of things you can do to, you know, increase the difficulty level of these dances and change, you know, a step together, step touch into a rolling vine kind of situation where you can add in turns, you can add in extra movements, you can add holds, you can change things to these dances when you've become more comfortable with them, of course, but part of the joy that I get out of it is when the beginner dancer gets the basic steps down and they're comfortable with it and they feel good and they feel confident because one, they light up like a Christmas tree for one, but two, then you know when you take them to the next dance that has one additional new concept in it, they already have half the dance down. They just have to learn this new thing. And so it's just you can see them growing. And that's what's really cool about it. So I don't need to do a whole bunch of flash and flare. Because what I receive from the beginner is more rewarding than anything that I could come up with on my own just to flare up the dance. So, I mean, there's plenty of dances out there that have enough flare in them for me already that I can do later at a different time or... For instance, um, going to Stoney's later that night, you know, there was plenty of options for me, and I really just enjoyed being part of the experience of Dancing with a Dream, where I didn't have to go all out and do all these crazy things. Two things that uh, I thought came to play here really well. One was the idea of having backups of your backups. Um, I happened to have my speaker, in my big speaker, the Bluetooth one, in the trunk of the car that we took up there. And the idea behind that and always having my hip-mounted speaker is you never know when line dance is going to pop up. Like, you might be teaching a lesson in a parking lot. And as it turned out, they had some overflow of what they were intending to teach, and they, re- they end up using a separate room Uh, for one of the teaches. I believe it was a Gypsy Queen. And that's where the speaker came in handy. They were were able to use that. And 
that also kind of applies to people, backups of backups. And it, it felt, like I mentioned, like a team of people who were able to supplement each other on knowledge of certain dances. Or, oops, I think we missed an eight count. Which eight count was it? And then somebody else who knows the dance who's on the staff could be like, oh, it was this part. I think it needs uh, one of these movements there to fill in those counts. That happened several times over the course of the day, and we were all able to contribute in our own way. Also, for little silly things like the fire alarm beeping, like that's not something that an instructor who's teaching a lesson should have to drop everything to solve, nor should a wall lead who's trying to help out the people who are taking the lesson, but some random person like yourself or myself who aren't really doing anything right then but are happy to try to figure it out and call the authorities, you know, we, we can take that on as a job because it needs to be done and it'll make the event go more smoothly for everybody. And, you know, when it comes time to talk about health and vitamins and all that, then Scooter has something that she can say. And when we're looking at the different ways to improve our technique and grow as dancers, then Joe can talk about, you know, moving from your feet to your upper body to, I don't think she really got to the space around you like she did in Vegas, but um, just generally everybody had something that they could do really well. And like, for example, with Michael, he was focusing on taking it easy not going at you know, 112% speed because of what happened with him recently with the car. And I think that helped put other people at ease. He gave himself permission to slow down. Other people got to slow down. Exactly. And I think that's really important too, is to remember that, you know, it is important to set the idea that people can take it easy and relax and go at their own pace. And that's one of the few things that I've, really notice is a true asset for the Dancing for the Dream is they really do take that special care to let everybody know that, you know, you know your body the best. Do what you can, try it out, um, and go from there. If you have to sit down, you have to sit down. If you can keep going, keep going. If you need to do the the easier lesson, go for it. If you th- If you can handle the more complicated go for it you know you know you and they do a really good job at playing to everyone's strength when they do these dancing for the dream events yeah i love that feeling that there is a place for everyone i know rachel really makes a point of uh there's a better word than stressing that um encouraging that i guess she she makes a point of encouraging um everybody's dance enjoyment at her workshops by doing copious amounts of floor splits. And with Dancing for the Dream, they did have the you know very beginner dance that they would teach everybody at the beginning. And you could do that all day long if you wanted, as long as it wasn't like a four four dance and you know they were playing a waltz then you could do that to everything just about yeah. um, so people could dance as much or as little as they wanted I also regarding the team you know getting toward the end of our day uh, we were all there for the takedown of things uh, everybody did their part and there wasn't like any kind of hierarchy of oh these people are the labor and these people are the teachers like we all were part of it and getting to interact with all of those people at dinner as equals. I loved that. That, you know, we could just 
relax and share our thoughts about the day and about dance and about our lives um, at Cheesecake Factory was so nice just to feel like we were invited to the table. Yeah. Really appreciated that. Yeah, I... We were definitely blessed with being able to join every. Oh, well, I say everyone. It's not everyone, but oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it was. Let's see, Norm and Phyllis, um, Michael, and Michelle. Michael and Michelle, Judy, Judy, and Joe, and Joe, ourselves. Yeah, and we hung out there for a good length of time. Like we were there until it got dark. Yeah, there was a couple hours at least. I mean, there was the hour that we spent waiting for the table, then dinner, and then, like, a good chunk of time talking afterwards, which was, it was really nice to be able to see everyone as as just their everyday person self and not this instructor, choreographer, big name, marquee draw or anything like that. Um, it was really cool that all of us just could exist and enjoy each other's company. Did we ever post or share any of the Not photos? Yeah, I'm supposed to message Judy the photo. Okay. So, that's my fault. After that, we uh, went to Stoney's, and if I had the foresight to bring the Stoney's list with me, uh, I could have told you exactly what was played. I know that I was sitting for a lot of it. Uh, it was a Saturday night, so there was a lot of partner dancing going on, and I'm not really one for partner dancing. Um, I know Friday night was a little bit more mixed, uh, but we weren't there for as long, I think. So, I don't know how helpful either of these playlists would have been, but I do know off the top of my head that um, Will on Saturday played Showstopper and Wakey Wakey because those were a couple of my requests while we had Joe there. I know Watermelon and Good Time were also played because uh, I saw Joe get up for those. I'm like, you know what? If Joe's doing them, I'm going to do them too. Like, yeah. I don't yeah. always do those. But... Yeah, oh, sorry to interrupt, but I was going to say Boots and Power Mix as well. Oh, yep. To, um, oh yeah, like even even things like electric slide. You know, somebody was waving. One of our friends, uh, who's friends with uh, uh, Clayton from Bakersfield, he was waving us over to do electric slide, and he looked so excited. We're like, you know what? I, I love the way that, like, just like like I was saying, you know, Joe is out there doing all these from however many years ago. She's probably done them a gajillion times in her life, and I can do an electric slide tonight. You know. That's all right. Um, I think the partner dance competition was going on as well that night, and I'm so glad that Joe got a chance to see Cat West Coast Swing competitively uh, with her partner Chicken. Chicken. Is- Chicken. Yeah, he. The two of them had so much fun out there, and it was just such a pleasure for all of us in the audience to watch. Um, I was really glad Joe was there to be able to see that as well. It was kind of nice seeing. Joe in her normal person setting, like all of these people dancing around her. You know, she could just be an attendee at Stoney's. And in her subtle way, she was still being her amazing self. And one of the things I remember was her sitting down next to one of the people at our table and just after a moment turning to him and saying, So, what's your story? And the guy was so happy to just talk about whatever was going on in his life. And Joe was there intently listening, as always. And I love that, that she can do that. 
she can take what would otherwise be an idle moment and make somebody's day by asking them about something that's important to them. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was definitely nice to see her almost incognito besides the handful of people who actually knew who she was. And it was like, there was moments where I was like, do these people realize? Why don't these people realize who they're dancing next to? This is crazy, you know, as they're dancing like dizzy next to her. You know, it's like, oi. <laughs> um, but it was a real treat to be able to see her have just as much fun at the bar as she does in a ballroom. Yep. And that was really cool for me to be able to see that. I'm happy that we got to drive with her there and back as well because it just gave us that little bit more time with her. And it was, you know, a bittersweet goodbye because we don't have any concrete plans scheduled for seeing her in May or June. And up till now, we've seen her every month since October. But it looks like we're going to have to take a short break and, and replenish our savings and then spend it all in July. <laughs> And then save again and spend it all in October, November. But we'll be seeing her again, hopefully, sooner than later. Oh, we will. It'll go by fast. It, it always does. And that was our weekend in Sacramento at Dancing for the Dream with Scooter Lee and Joe Thompson, Zvansky, Michael Barr, Michelle Burton, Norm on the turntables, and then at Stoney's afterwards with, additionally, Cat Painter. And well, and Leah and for club too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we had uh, we had Leah there, who got to meet Joe, which was very exciting. Uh, yes, I was very excited about that. And then you know some of our fun regular attendees and some people from Jackson in San Francisco made the trip out to Sacramento as well. And it was it was a nice collection of people. It was a very much wow. My world's just collided, but it was fun. And now our worlds get to collide even more. As we head further and deeper into our journey on this Stagecoach Country Music Festival weekend. Yeah, we're headed to pick up our passes right now. Yeah, that's exciting. So, until next time, I suppose I'd like to thank you all for tuning in yet again to Line Dance Podcast on Move Radio. With Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barcelia. And until next time, as always, we will see you on, on the, the dance, dance floor. floor.